Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Saturday, August the 7th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day is totem which means an object, usually an animal or plant, serving as the emblem of a family or clan and often set as a reminder of its ancestry. Totem. I hope everyone is enjoying their Saturday or will enjoy their Saturday. Uh, To be honest with you, the sun isn't shining here in North Carolina. It's raining. Much needed rain. Cool it down a little bit, although it is still humid. We aren't experiencing, however, those uh, 100 degree or feels like temperatures of 100 degrees or whatever. So the rain is most definitely needed. I believe I said the rain is supposed to die off later on this evening. Quite possibly may get a few showers tomorrow and Monday. Then it's back to the heat. How surprising. August in the South. Hmm, That's rare. Yeah, right. Okay. Like I said, I hope everyone enjoys their Saturday, enjoys their weekend. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Now, here's an update uh, to a story. We all remember that uh, here in North Carolina and in Raleigh, to be exact, exact, that venomous zebra cobra snake that spits venom up to six feet. Now, the owner apparently had his day in court yesterday, a 21-year-old Wake County man. Uh, He received a fine of $13,000 a year's probation, and can't own any snakes for a year. Hmm. Now, by the way, they they uh, confiscated or went in and took the snakes out of his home. Apparently, he had 75 other snakes in his home. Now, they've been seized, and they're now being used for cancer and anti-venom research. Wow. 75 snakes in the home. I can, re- I can tell you, I wouldn't be able to sleep in there. Just wouldn't. Now, when I first heard the story, I, I know I heard that the snake had escaped and, and they said the snake had escaped before. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, the snake escaped escaped before and they caught it and, and, and it escaped again. Apparently, no, no, no. I was mistaken. Apparently, this snake has uh, had been on the, the run or, or had been out and about ever since of no, November of last year. This guy had the snake. The snake had been out since November of last year. And he didn't tell anyone. Now, there was a neighbor who also came to court and she gave a, 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 an interview with the local news news, uh, uh, a, a local news station. And she said that uh, uh, she felt the judge was too lenient on him and said that he doesn't need to have snakes ever again. And I got to agree with her. I mean, you had 75 snakes in your home and you allowed this poisonous, venomous snake to escape since November and you didn't tell anyone. Because that's the other thing. He didn't report the snake missing until someone saw it, took a picture, and and then I guess Animal Control came out and saw the picture and said, wait a minute. I guess they identified it or whatever. But she said he doesn't need to uh, have snakes ever again. I got to agree with her. And she even went as far <laughs> to say uh, she understands people love snakes or whatever. He he loves snakes. Maybe he should go live with the snakes. Yeah, maybe he should go out there in, in the uh, in the wild there, buddy. Because uh, it, it it shows uh, 
a neglect and also uh, a lack of, of knowledge of these animals. Because what he said, when they said that, you know, the snake had been out and about since November, it had escaped. When his response was, he honestly thought the snake had died during the winter. Uh, no, there, friend, buddy. Uh, if you know anything about reptiles or uh, animals in general, when when it gets cold, what do they do? A lot of them burrow underground, or they find them somewhere else where they could be covered with uh, leaves or shrubs or whatever. That's how they they hibernate. That's just what the snake did. His natural instincts kicked in, obviously, when it got cold. And when it warmed back up, he appeared. Duh. Isn't that what these animals do? Isn't it that? Isn't that their natural thing? Their natural instinct? To hibernate and then reappear when the ground warms back up? Atmosphere warms back up? It just is. Maybe you don't, you lack the wherewithal to understand that or know that. Or maybe you were just that arrogant and you thought, hey, I got it. It ain't going to do this or that or it ain't going to escape. Yeah, you don't need that. You, you just don't. You just don't. <laughs> uh, total disregard for human life and safety because you didn't even report the damn thing missing. And we, you knew that that thing spits venom up to six feet. Didn't report. I thought he died in the winter. Sweet Jesus. All right, let's move along. <laughs> uh, now, we all remember the uh, hacking and shutdown of the pipeline during that colonial pipeline hacking uh, back in May that produced that panic and fear of there quite possibly being a gas shortage that actually wasn't. Where it appears there's a gas station here in Durham, North Carolina, that is being sued by the North Carolina Attorney General for price gouging mm. wow you don't say well here's the skinny now it increased the price of uh, a, a, a gallon of gas from 329 which was the price on uh, on on May 1st I guess that was right around or May 9th I'm sorry they increased the gas from 329 that they had on May 9th to uh, 599 on May 11th which also on May 10th, the governor declared a state of emergency uh, related to the hacking and shutdown. So you went from 329 to 5.99 a gallon. Hold on, there's more. Like I said, the, the increase in the gas price went up by 60%, they're saying. But that what, what really tipped them off or when they did their investigation, there was no correlating increase as to how much the company was paying for gas. So they were just pretty much raising the price to whatever they felt like because they couldn't prove that they were paying more for gas to uh, uh, explain or, or signify why they had to increase the price of gas. Now, they advertised also, here's, the, here's, here's what's going to do them in or here's what really did them in. They advertised they had regular gas for $209 a gallon, but they were not selling regular gas at all. They were only selling the premium at the elevated price of $5.99 a gallon. So uh, you, you see that a lot with these gas stations when you get to the pumps, when it, whenever they're having this gas shortage or, or whatever, or whatever, whatever, or what have you, they'll uh, have the tape over or a bag over the pumps, either signifying they're totally out or they'll have a paper or like I said, taped over the, uh, the ones that they're out of and say, hey, we only have this. So these guys were saying, hey, we only have premium at $5.99. It doesn't say if they actually had any of the regular. 
they were only selling the premium at $5.99 a gallon. And the regular gas, I guess they told the patrons, hey, we don't have any. All we have is the $5.99 a gallon. Uh, that, that, that goes to somewhat of a, some, I would say, don't wait to the last minute. I know it may be hard for some, but you got to kind of say to yourself, well, if I hadn't waited to the last minute, I quite possibly would have been paying almost $6 a gallon for gas. Looks like these guys, I, I, I say, or I think, uh, probably wasn't their first rodeo. <laughs> it probably wasn't. <laughs> for them to raise that gas that high, they, they, man, $6 a gallon. I don't think North Carolina has ever seen $6 a gallon for gas. Even way back when, when President Bush was in office and we had that war. You remember when the war was first starting with uh, uh, Iraq and the, the, the gas shot up. I don't think it ever went anywhere near $6 a gallon. I just don't. I, I can't remember. Maybe it did. Not here in North Carolina anyway. I, I just didn't. But yeah, these guys. <laughs> oh, these guys. They, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny or humorous to think that you would actually sit there and raise the gas that high and, and would think that no one would notice. But, well, the gas station does sit in the hood. In a, 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 a poor side of town, town, if I can say that. So maybe they, they did think, hey, nobody will notice. Did they really believe that the, the citizens of this side of town, because they are poor, I mean, we say uneducated or whatever or what have you, they wouldn't catch the, the flip that you're charging $6 a gallon and they can go to somewhere else, not too far, still on that same side of town and realize they really haven't taken their gas prices up that much. Why are you charging $6 a gallon. What's so special about your gas? Yeah, somebody told them. They're shit. Come on now. That was way too much. That was way out of line. <laughs> way out of line. You were, you guys were way out of pocket with that one. You just were. $6 a gallon for gas. It wasn't even a gas shortage. It was just a matter of, yeah, they had been hacked. So they couldn't go to the... Uh, the automated way of just hitting the button and the gas pumped out. They had to go to the manual where they had to, you know, I guess uh, go in there and pump or hit a switch. I don't know how they do it. And and the gas would come out. It wasn't a gas shortage. It just wasn't. It was just a mechanical, uh, something mechanical they had to work through. It's been proven it wasn't a gas shortage. It just wasn't. It was just a panic. Well, anyway, it looks like these guys are... Uh, <laughs> They're getting ready to be sued. Doesn't say how much for how much. I know where that uh, gas station is, by the way. I've never gotten gas from there. Just haven't. Uh, I've been in the store a few times and and that's about it. But I haven't gotten gas from there. Just haven't. So I would say good luck. (laughs) But I don't think you guys are going to get any good luck from anyone. Especially now that we know. Now that we know what you did. Uh, That was Bush League. That was Bush League. Low down, low down. Now, let's move along. It appears the mayor's race here in Durham, North Carolina is uh, becoming quite interesting. Two different candidates from two different backgrounds have, uh, of course, a difference in views and opinions of how the city of Durham should be ran. Now, as we all know, the the current mayor announced that he wasn't going to seek re-election for whatever reason. I believe he said he wanted to spend more time with his family, uh, grandkids, understandable. So he's not running. It appears a Durham Democratic uh, 
she's a, a former superior court judge black american female if she wins she will be the first african-american female uh elected to the mayor's position here in durham so most definitely a, a histor- historical uh event now she's a lifelong resident of durham born and raised went to school even went to school here went to college here at north carolina central university now she's running on the platform of a a Durham with safe neighborhoods, stable housing, and just a great community overall. She's also the chair of the city council's racial equity task force that last year released a 60-page report calling for the city to address systemic racism through different policy reviews or in different policy areas. She wanted to review some, wanted everyone to review some things as it relates to uh, systemic racism. How many times have we heard that, systemic racism? So she wants to change some of the policies. She is one of those uh, doing that report also, which I remember oh too well, she uh, was calling for the defunding of the police, which is pretty much what Durham is doing or has done now. They've already put it into place. They uh, took positions and money and funds away from the Durham Police Department itself and created another department within the Durham Police Department of, uh, I guess you would call them mental health crisis inter- interventions, interventors, or whatever you call it, because they, they're saying they're not, they don't have to, they feel as though they don't have to send police out on every call. They can send these uh, uh, people out that can defuse the situation by talking, because as they said, not every call is a criminal act. There are some that may be experiencing a mental health crisis. I understand that wholeheartedly and all all too well. I get the premise behind that. I really do. So she's she's part of that push of defund the police and changing some policies also and in other areas, making affordable housing for those who, who, who can't afford. I understand that. So now uh, here's where it gets interesting. And let me just say before I start, um, the media, you can always tell when they're working an objective because they aren't even trying to hide it here. They are blatant. I I understand that you have to introduce a candidate and and announce what they are and who they come from. But some of your little uh, suggestive words or wording it shows. I really don't think he care coming or going whether someone picks up on it or not because he's done so flagrant and so often. Now, the other candidate is um, what the media is calling or has called a uh, Republican political commentator who uh, grew up in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, moved to Durham in 2016 with his wife and kids and works as a, a Havac tech. That's your heating and air conditioner tech. For a local company. Now, he is a black American male. He describes himself as a former no good piece of trash drug dealer. And that he has described himself as. Because I I have listened to his uh, uh, podcast. And, and, and I was listening to him or, or I would catch some of his, his podcasts uh, before he announced that he was running for mayor. I've been listening to him for about uh, a year and a half, two years, maybe maybe longer. Now, in 2001, he was arrested on a misdemeanor resisting and assaulting an officer. He now backs the blue, by the way. And we'll get to that. When I say back the blue, he supports police. Now, two years later, after he was arrested, he spent just over a year 
in a state prison for assaulting and inflicting serious bodily injury on another person. And in fact, he says after that, while he was in there, he realized that the police weren't the problem. He was the problem. Hmm. How's that? An original thought and a backbone to actually take some personal accountability for your actions and not bled at the doorstep of society, of society. Saying society did this, society does that. They're making me do, no, he said, nah, they aren't the problem. I'm the problem. Yeah, he did. Now, also, and I, uh, here's where I say the disdain and the blatant um, disregard for uh, us or, or, or people having our own opinion or, or thought. Here's where that kicks in for me with the media and how they will push things out. Now, what they said is he went to the nation's capital on January 6th. We all remember January 6th as the uh, the rioting or the storming of the capital in Washington, D.C. And they also went as far as to said on his Facebook page, he can be seen wearing a MAGA dad t-shirt and holding a Make America Great Again flag standing in front of the nation's capital. Had to put that one out there, didn't you? To let, him, let everyone know he's a Trump supporter. Hmm. How about that? Someone, uh, a black American doesn't actually or or doesn't always side with the Democrats. He has his uh, difference in opinions. Huh. How about that? That's that's odd. Now, he has gone online and he has said vehemently he will not take the vaccine. He's against mask mandates. It's also what was included in the article. And he has a great dislike for Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think by now a lot of people know Black Lives Matter may not be what they actually say they are. Hmm. Once again, here's someone who has an original thought and a backbone and maybe does his own research and comes to his own conclusion. Uses that brain for uses that brain in a way that maybe God intended it to be used to formulate your own ideas and opinions. Don't go along with the status quo just because. Now, he has a, a huge following on Facebook and YouTube. Like I said, I, 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 I watch the uh, podcast. Mind of Jamal is, is the actual name of the podcast, by the way. And and I've watched it. And, and let me just say, before I get on, get into his uh, what his top priorities are, um, I watch his podcast. And this is the thing for me. As human beings, we have become so accustomed and indoctrinated and trained subliminally or or flat out to think that just because we are from a different race or class or gender of people, we have to think the same way as as others, the majority. If you're thinking that he's, he ain't it. (laughs) Let me just say that. He ain't it. He has his own opinion, his own views, and and he, he lets you know about it. And I gotta commend him from that. I thank him from that because I, I I sit uh, I sit and watch TV or or, or watch uh, videos and and it seems like people are spewing out the same nonsense. No one has an original thought. No one can back up what they're saying. It all sounds like a soundbite. He doesn't. Now he says he goes on to say if he's elected, his top priorities will be of course the crime and gun violence here in Durham. 
He wants to strengthen police as opposed to the Democratic candidate. He wants to increase the pay as opposed to the Democratic candidate who's taking funds out of the police department and weakening the police department by moving them somewhere else or hiring others that are those crisis intervention specialists. He wants to target crime on all levels. He says there's no such thing as a low-level drug dealer that goes against that Democratic candidate who was a part of that. And, you know, if you can remember at one point in time, they were saying the uh, low-level drug dealer versus the high-level drug dealer, uh, you know, the, the the maximum mandatory for a marijuana possession. And, and then you could have uh, the same amount of marijuana as opposed to a white person that had a similar amount of cocaine. And the guy or girl that had the marijuana who was black would receive a, a much, much healthier sentence as opposed to the Caucasian white who had the same amount or a little less possibly of cocaine. Understand that argument. But what he's saying is there's no such thing as a low-level drug dealer. I got to agree with him on that. Drug dealer is a drug dealer. I don't care who you are or how much you have on it. You're tearing apart the community. You're hurting people. You're tearing apart families. You're tearing apart that community. The housing housing has dilapidated. No one wants to move in. No one wants to invest. In fact, that's what what, what has happened. Uh, One of the reasons why the the Black American community, if you notice um, those once dilapidated houses or, or that community that was overrun with drug dealers and gang bangers. They now been, have been moved out, torn those old houses down, and they have rebuilt them. Urban renewal. The houses are now more expensive. They're not rental properties anymore. They're homes for sale. So that's the flip side of that that low-level, high-level drug dealer nonsense that everyone's on. Because it does tear a low-level... I don't care if you are a low-level drug dealer. You are tearing apart the community. I don't care how much weight you have on. I don't care if you're moving weight or you're pushing sacks. You're tearing apart the community. And you have torn apart the community because now we see. Certain part of town here in Durham, to be specific, um, was once a thriving uh, uh, black side of town. Over the years, centuries, decades, it's been torn down and, and now it's been torn down by drug dealers or game bangers and now it's being urban renewal. Rental property, properties aren't around there like that anymore. They are homes that are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're selling. They're not rental properties anymore. So that's both sides of the fence as it relates to the Democratic candidate who says she wants to have affordable housing. Well, she has to have affordable housing now because those communities that were once predominantly uh, black are uh, there no more. So they got to have affordable housing out on the outskirts of town or whatever, what have you, because that's what's happening. Also, the city council and the city planning commission has gotten into it. Because the city planning commission says, hold on, you're developing a a parcel of land on the outskirts uh, that sits on uh, off of a highway out what they said, Southeast Durham, 70 Highway. They want to uh, develop a parcel of land out there that is, uh, they want to build homes. They want to build uh, low-income homes, I guess rental property also, and uh, condos. And the citizens are saying, wait a minute, you have a traffic problem out here already, and then you're going to put this out here. But the city council is going ahead with the plans. They say, hey, you can't stop development. We have uh, uh, people coming and moving into Durham daily. This is development. Can't stop it. So you have that plight and that fight also going on. 
I'm wondering how these two will, uh, what they will have to say about that. Now he goes on to say he wants citizens to be able to sit on their porches and not to worry about gunshots. And of course, he's against moving funds from the police department. Totally against that. That's in contrast to that Democratic candidate. So it most definitely is is a, a very interesting race for the mayor here in Durham. It just is. Now, let me get back to that 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 ongoing or just started debate between the Durham City Council and the Durham City Planning Commission. Apparently, the Durham City Planning Commission, all they can do is make recommendations. And the Durham City Council, whether they agree or not, they just do. So the recommendation from the Durham City Planning Commission is to slow down the development until you can figure out what you're going to do with the traffic. Because if you've ever traveled down that stretch of uh, highway, they've they've just done some, uh, uh, they've expanded it. Because that's one of the things, the the arguments of the citizens that are there, they're saying, hey, expand this highway some more. Our traffic is backed up. And it is. I've traveled on that stretch of roadway many a days. And one thing I do, (laughs) I try to get on it when I don't think there's no traffic or there's limited traffic or very light, medium to light traffic. Because if you go through that thing, in the morning around after the sun has come up to say around seven from like seven to uh, maybe nine or ten it's packed if you go through that thing in the evening after everyone starts to get off work around 3 30 or 4 to about six going into seven it's packed it's jam-packed because people are coming in a town and they're leaving out of town so yeah, they, they they do. I would think they would take into account that also. They do need to widen those roads some more. So that's one of the arguments of the citizens on that side of town. They're saying, "Hey, you can't do that. Slow down." Uh, we, we're they're not against the development itself. They just want they they just want more planning and thought put into it instead of just slapping it up and then saying, "Wait a minute, we have a traffic problem," and then having to reroute or possibly go through some more changes. I think they just want the citizens on that side of town just want to see a, a, a thought out and planned development. There's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that's most definitely another topic for these uh, mayoral candidates to look at also. They're going to have to take that into account. The development around town. And just like I told early, I spoke earlier about the development on a certain side of, of Durham that was once a, a, a black American side of town. If I can say that, it was considered that. It's no longer such. So that's where your housing crisis come in. Because they aren't rental properties anymore. These are people that are moving in to own their property. Own those houses. Some of them want to own those townhouses because they also have some townhouses they built over there also. Whether you think that, that... that these are, uh, of course, the investors came in and bought up the property, but these are homeowners that, that want some sort of an investment that, that have the fourth wall, fourth, forethought to think, hey, I need to own something. That's what they're doing. So, yeah, they have moved uh, uh, black Americans out. So, yeah, we do have a housing crisis here in Durham, just like every, uh, a lot of other cities here in the United States. They have one there in Raleigh also, because the same thing has happened. It is continuing to happen there in Raleigh. Same thing that's happening here in Durham and, and other places in the city. They call it urban renewal. It's happening. 
So that's another topic these, these candidates have to address, the housing crisis. Yeah, it, there's so much on, on, on the plate or on the table here that I just don't feel there's a need for the media to sit there and try to poke holes or, or find fallacies in someone's life the way they're doing with this, uh, uh, this gentleman, uh, the Republican, the black Republican. That just isn't. We have way too many problems here in Durham. I don't need. I, I don't need you to the horn in or highlight or throw shade at his life choices before he turned his life around and he said, "Hey, I think I can make a difference. I know I can make a difference. I'm going to clean my life up." I don't need to hear that. I already know that. Like I said, if you would listen to, he, he he's forth with it. He, forth with he, he comes forward with. It. He tells you, "Hey, yeah, I was a no good piece of trash drug dealer." And while sitting in jail or prison, I realized the police weren't the problem. I was. So he he turned his life around, changed his outlook on life, changed his thought. How about that? An original thought. Someone who doesn't sit around and blame everyone but themselves. Huh. How about that? All right. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anger has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice. So offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Verbal, and WordPress. And as always, this is Stephen Carnegie for This Is just a thought. Amen.